Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Kyle. I was on 34th Street, but I definitely didn't see any miracles. I'm Nick, and the Falcons not paying Julio sounds just like what the Packers need, actually. And I'm Brent, and I'm working on living the best life. This is If I May, Episode 10. Let's go. Brent, the best life? What do you mean? So, this past weekend, uh, we went hiking to Snow Lake, which, as you imagine, there is snow around the lake, um, even though it is mid-July, which it's kind of weird seeing snow in the summer, but it's what happens when you're in the mountains. And without really knowing, one of the people we were hiking with had come prepared to go uh, jump into the lake. And it didn't really tell us that that was the plan. That sounds cold. But... Yeah, well, anyway, um, needless to say, uh, she was like, I'm going to jump in. And she got ready to jump in and kind of just on the whim, realizing that this is, you know, one of those once in a lifetime potentially situations. It's not like you live by a mountain or anything. Yeah, but the fact that I was just like, I'm at this lake. When am I going to meet this lake again? Um, Screw it. We're we're doing it. Went down into the boxers and jumped in. Yeah. Just that a boy? That's a classic well, movie stuff right there. Oh, yeah. It was so cold. It was reminding me of like Lake Michigan or Lake Superior cold. Uh, so we didn't really swim in it, but we dove in probably it was three, refreshing. times. And... Refreshing. I don't know yep. if I can give you a quote-unquote best life, if I may. The, uh, the, the best I can give you is a, a good life. Uh, full skinny dipping would have been the best life, I believe. Right. Was it, was this it was secluded where public. like skinny dipping is an option or no? Okay. It was public. It was, it was public. It was a pretty popular hike. Otherwise that would have been the best life. Yes. Have, have you guys if, ever, if the statement stands. I, the thing is though, is it's one of those where I was like, I was thinking about it and I thought of all these excuses of why not to. And then I realized like, why not just do it? Why not go out and, and get after it and try something new, uh, try something that is an experience that now I'm going to remember that hike a lot better than just, Oh, it was a really cool hike. It was really pretty. Now it's like, Oh man, we just went swimming and it was freezing. And I was in my Marlin boxers. Like it's great. If I may, I got two thoughts on this. Number one, have you guys ever seen the YouTube channel? Yes. Theory. I have not. No, I have not. All right, it's literally these guys that their whole thing is like, get out of your comfort zone, like do crazy things. So if you get a chance, definitely check them out. I, I've, I recently found them and they've been very entertaining to watch, but uh, like they do, they'll do things like really like rant. Uh, they, one of them is they jumped in an Uber or a Lyft and they asked the driver and the other passenger if they would go skydiving with them on the spot right then and there. And then they'd pay for it. <laughs> they, like they have a couple sponsors or something, but and plus they get paid for their video YouTube videos, but they got a whole cab of people to say yes. And they just went skydiving. So it's stuff like that. Where it's just crazy out of your comfort zone kind of stuff. I, I still want to go skydiving. It's something I haven't done, but it's on my, on my to-do list. I, I, would, I don't know if I should call it a bucket list, but um, <laughs> I, I'd like to. Yeah. I, I went skydiving. I went, well, I did, I did skydiving once. We just did the tandem thing and yeah, it was super fun. Like, couple couple things number one like i was expecting the whole like stomach drop thing like on roller coasters when you jump out of the plane i didn't get any of that the only like stomach drop i got is when they pulled the chute like when you pulled the chute there's like a lurch and then that definitely like stomach drop but honestly you're more distracted by the harness cinching on your ball sack but uh yeah (laughs) i mean that was that otherwise like literally like to describe the feeling like if you stick your hand out the window of the car while you're going 70 miles an hour down the road I being an engineer, I looked up the terminal velocity of a human and it is about double that. So it's about 180 ish, but with tandem and with having wow. like, they have like a drone shoot behind you on tandem to make sure that the instructor is always above you. Uh, I'm guessing it's close to the, like the 140, 150 mile an hour zone. So yeah, if you stick your hand out the door on a highway or the window, not the door, uh, it's literally about double that pressure is what you're feeling across your whole body. So like that was one crazy thing that, I also landed in a sunflower patch. That was fun. The second thing I actually I wanted to ask you guys about for off. Well, hold up, hold up. Okay, sorry. Before you before you finish, this, how long was your trip, and would you say it's worth it, even if it's a really short trip or a really long trip? Like, what are, what are your thoughts on that? So okay, the trip itself, I would say it was definitely worth it because it turned into a whole day affair, and it was actually with one of my buddies, Dylan, 
and uh, mm. we we met up at the place because we we were living in different places different places in Wisconsin at the time. We literally met up at the skydiving facility, and uh, it turned out there was some like sketchy weather, so we had to like hang out there all day, which actually worked out really well. We basically hanged out all day, played some beanbags. We both had steerable kites that we promptly crashed into each other's and broke both of them. And then uh, went skydiving. So it was a good time hanging out. But like the skydiving itself, I mean, you get a plane ride up, which was kind of fun because the, the plane isn't like a standard plane. It's got extra windows and like the door that opens up. Like you're basically sitting on benches in a plane, which is a different experience. And then uh, on the way, I guess, I guess I'm not sure. It felt like a really long time on the way down because we were tandem. They brought us up to 15,000 feet. So pretty high. And uh, yeah, we had a good... 30 second free fall or 45 seconds, something like that. And then, uh, the, the parachuting time was the, the majority of the time on the way down. But yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. The other thing. So I, I would definitely go again. It was, it was worth it. I think it was like, I want to say it was like 200. I don't know if it was quite 200 bucks. It, it was, it was, it was close to that. But it was one of those things where it's like, oh, if you schedule again right after your first time, we'll give you a discount. So I'm sure you can probably find some sort of discount somewhere. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'd do it again. But back to Brent swimming in the in the lake, talking about skinny dipping. Have either of you ever been skinny dipping? Of course. Of course. Brent, you have? I'm actually kind of surprised at you, Brent. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's a wonderful feeling. Like It's, a, a, it's really nice. I I, I agree. <laughs> Was it whether we're without, all without going into too much detail? Was the opposite sex present while you were skinny dipping? Yes. Brent? Once. Once. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I skinny dip all the time. It's it's not a big. It's not something I do okay. all the time. But well, as yeah. as a kid, when you're when you're watching those movies or you know hearing those stories about that, you're just like, what if there are girls there? Uh, that's that's always kind of the. I remember, like if it's yeah, if it's guys, it's like all right, nobody's interested anyway. But if it's if there's a girl there, then you're like, well, it's like, oh, am I, is right, it going to be cold? Am I going to be embarrassed? Yeah. Like, what, is there going to be shrinkage involved here? Yeah, What's do I just on? jump in as fast as possible, or do I take my time a little bit? I don't know. And then yeah, do you my, do you like be a creep and you know watch other people, or do oh, you just goodness. you know keep your head down and run straight for the water and don't look up? I mean, th- these are things you you think about whether you want to or not. Right? Is it like because everybody's skinny dipping? Is it socially what's, acceptable? What's proper, yeah. What's it, proper etiquette during is skinny it a dipping? Beach where you're allowed to look at anybody or what? Well, okay, nude well, pieces I've heard are underwhelming as far as it's a bunch of old people and people you don't really want to look at. If if I may, I have a, a adventure with nude beaches. We had gone on a hike in San Diego. Who's we? And uh, my wife and I went on a hike in San Diego, uh, Torrey Pines, really pretty place. Uh, and decided instead of walking back along the road, which was the way we came, we were let's go on the beach. And we're walking along the beach, and it's it's a really nice big beach. And all of a sudden, we see someone in the distance, and. I have my binoculars. I'm like, well, what's it's kind of weird. Like, is everything going on? And I, I think I looked at, even through my binoculars and I was like, oh, ooh, put that down right away. It turns <laughs> wow. out San Diego has one nude beach. Uh, San Diego has a nude beach and we found it of and all Brent the beaches in San Diego. Binoculars. I was far off though. Once we that's got why closer, you have the binoculars. Yeah, but I was not <laughs> expecting that. As I, I saw someone laying there, I was like, that's really weird. Like, it's just. <laughs> Lots of like white, like where's the? Nope. I've, I've yep. heard that nude beaches in general are also like the the crappier beaches, like stony and stuff, especially yep. over in Europe. Uh, when we were on our cruise, we stopped at Mykonos, which apparently has a decent chunk of nude beaches. I didn't see any, but uh, apparently there's some. But yeah, back to Nick's so never point. Never anyone, never anyone attractive at a nude beach though. It's right? always people that should not be at a nude beach that are at the nude beach, right? Back to Nick's point, what's the socially acceptable thing during, like, skinny dipping? Like, because everybody's doing it, are you allowed to, like, take glances, or is that, like, super no-no? I guess Because nobody did, wants to be the creepy guy or girl. Right? I, I guess when I, you when I did it, it was pretty dark out. It was during a 4th of July party, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, yeah, we just, it was pretty dark, so everybody just kind of jumped in and went for it. I did, um, I don't know, I don't have experience with that, but I did do one solo and i think my biggest worry wasn't to be like creep or anything but if there was like a snapping turtle you know 
watch out for that. Because I, I heard the pond I was in had a snapping turtle. I was like, uh, do I really want to worry about that? But there wasn't. It, it's all good. I just but remember in that parent, was my only fear. I just remember in the Disney <laughs> movie fun. Parent Trap that when she had to go skinny dipping, they stole her clothes and ran away. That's got to be like a big paranoia. I, I don't know. You gotta be comfortable in your. That'd own be the skin. worst. That'd be the worst ever. You're skinny dipping, and then somebody steals your clothes. So when you get out, what? You, it's a bad situation. It's living your best life. That's living your best life. It's a story. You can uh, be yeah. like right, right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm I'm one of those people who, well, at least I I firmly believe, and I that have no problem. I am confident with who I am, regardless of you know being <laughs> just a, a sexy beast or not. You know anywhere in between. I I am what I am, and I I kind of just take that for what it is. Maybe that was me growing up in the YMCA. Uh, men's locker room where you know there's dudes walking around of, of all different body shapes and sizes and i just kind of if i may it. if i may i have to interject a story here um one over college one winter i decided to go join nick for some noon ball at the ymca and um not really being a member of that particular ymca um it was really eye-opening when he's like well we can go in the sauna um i was like cool and i didn't bring a swimsuit he's like oh no worries and there's a lot of old people that like to use the sauna i've discovered and i was not prepared for that but you get used to it i think you you get used to it you you kind of get over it and honestly uh where i'm living now the uh lifetime is the club that i'm at and there's a hot tub and the hot tub they require you to wear a swimsuit and I'm, I'm having grown up where I did and, you know, been around the kind of people that I was like, I, it was never scarred. There was never an issue. There was never anything inappropriate even. It was just, you know, whatever. We're, we're all men. We can all be adults and, and deal with it. It was the men's adult locker room. There was a kid's locker room if, if they wanted to do that. Um, but uh, the fact that Lifetime requires you to wear a swimsuit, I almost find offensive. If like, I may, what locker room has a hot tub mm-hmm. in it? Uh, nice clubs. What do you mean by like, YMCA in Appleton has has a, a hot tub, uh, the Lifetime in inside the Inside the locker room? Yeah. It's a pretty common huh. thing. They have saunas. They have hot tubs. They have steam rooms. Um, yeah, those are those are pretty standard in almost all the clubs. I don't, I don't know. I don't have one, but I guess I don't know. Who, any other one. I don't know who it was. But uh, congratulations, sir. You've scarred me for life because I still remember it. Remember when I was a kid in an uh, uh, YMCA uh, and I was changing after going swimming or whatever. And then uh, as I was leaving, this guy butt naked steps on the scale like right in front of me. And he was like an older (laughs) gentleman. So he's he officially scarred me for life. I still have that ingrained in my memory. Brent was alluding to that's pretty much standard practice for the downtown Appleton YMCA like everyone's yeah but when i was eight i just wasn't you've got guys you've got guys sitting in towels watching sports center just hanging out in the men's locker room which is again what i was raised around maybe that's why i'm weird um i've even been uh, the the weirdest the weirdest thing that happened in that locker room was actually when i was Mm -hmm. uh in college I was I was hit on while I was in the shower by a clearly gay man. Now it didn't make me That's uncomfortable again. I I am I am who I am. But uh, you talk about awkward situations. Like I feel a little bit vulnerable. I'm literally in the shower <laughs> getting hit on at the YMCA. Um, yeah, that was awkward. Uh, plus, again, not the way I swing the bat. So um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm that one. Uh, with with that fun fun little side note about my life, uh, let's get back on track here if we can, gentlemen. No, we're we're already on track. We're we're plenty on track. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, one thing I want to hit on. Uh, so I went to New York. This hit uh, on, hit on. Well, also. Yeah, yep. Hit on Nick. I see what you did there. I'll hit on here, Nick. Uh, so I went to New York last week, and that was that was my first time out to the East Coast. I thought uh, it was a pretty good experience. Number one, Uber is super expensive, but honestly, everything else wasn't quite as pricey as I was expecting. Like they have. Uh, fancy stores and whatnot that are more pricey. And I think in general food is maybe a smidge more expensive. Food's pricier. Food's pricier. Especially but, if you're downtown. But yeah, like the Target and the, and the we went to the, the Walgreens that has like the 2018 New Year's ball on top of it. And it was all like fairly standard priced. So it seems like the main thing is, yeah, food. And then if you go to a fancier place. So I actually heard on the radio just on the way home that um, the most expensive sushi in the United States is in New York City 
Um, and I'm disappointed to hear that Seattle was number two, which surprised me because both of those are by the water. But yeah, food is definitely pricey in New York. Two, so I I, did, I got to do a bunch of cool things. I went and visited the 9-11 Memorial. I didn't go through the museum. I, I heard that's a good thing to do. So next time I make it out there, I'll have to go do that. But then I also did the, uh, um, wow, I can't think of the name of it. The, 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 other, the famous really tall building. Cock building? No, no. Uh, Empire State Building. Empire State Building. Yeah, went to the top of that. That was pretty cool. It was. I don't know if it was quite thirty nine dollars cool, but it was cool. Um, definitely worth the one go up. Um, oh, I missed out though on two very important things. Number one is apparently the the day after we got there, or I got there, uh, the charging bull or whatever was covered with suction cup dildos, and there was a naked guy on top of it in the morning. I missed out on that. Kind of unfortunate. Um, the second thing well, I missed out on is apparently they had a steam pipe in Manhattan explode. What was the purpose of, of that display? Uh, yes. I have no idea. <laughs> Political, probably. Yeah. Well, I, I knew they threw a fit over the oh, yeah, yeah. He was uh, wearing uh, statue. He was wearing a Putin mask or something. Oh. So I'm sure, yeah, it was definitely political. Oh, oh that makes yeah. that makes yeah. sense. Okay, yeah. moving on. Yeah, I don't know if he was naked, but he was he was not wearing much clothes from the picture that they I'm, showed on the news. I'm uh, trying here. Yeah, and then I missed out on the uh, there was a sewer that steam pipe that exploded in downtown Manhattan. So I was like, oh dang, like that could have been awesome. Apparently, they were literally telling people only five people got like hurt and they're all minor injuries like they're fine and they were telling anybody that got sprayed by any of the stuff that came out to like go home take off all the clothes bag them take a shower and bring the clothes to this address and we'll check them out to make sure there's nothing bad on them i'm like jesus like that sounds pretty intense yeah so i went i went to new york a few years ago and i will say i think Times square is the most overrated aspect of it it's just way too busy and a lot of weirdos um broadway was incredible i think that's like going to show on broadway was really cool um and then central park was really interesting uh the baltal statue is sweet but then i was there during the height of pokemon go and just to see probably a hundred people running in a pack to chase after that blastoise oh my gosh that (laughs) That would have been been pretty funny there were a bunch of people running through and my family was like what's going on i was like you don't Pokemon understand. Go. I'll be right back. Play, it's huge. Yeah, like I, I, I chased after a little bit too because you got to. You know, it's the there. craze. But I wasn't able to that was, Central Park. I'll have to hit that up next time. It's cool. It's really. It's pretty neat. The rats are like squirrels there. So like, you know, in in Wisconsin or pretty much anywhere else, you see squirrels and you're like, oh yeah, that's a squirrel. And I looked at in Soldier Park and I was like, wow, that looks like a squirrel. Oh nope, that's a rat. That's definitely a really rat. interesting. Yeah, I, I saw the, was, I saw the line to go to the Statue of Liberty and tour it, but the line was very, very long and wrapped around the building like twice. So I was like, eh, yeah, maybe not this time. That was a pretty cool tour. I, I enjoyed that as well. And Ellis Island, you can see kind of, I think that was a cool piece of history and I, I enjoyed going to that as well. That was a lot cheaper too. It was only like 18 bucks. I don't know if that was just for the ferry over there or if that was for the whole thing, but that one seemed reasonable. It was just a really long line. Apparently the security for it is ridiculous right now because of the whole 9-11 thing. Somebody blowing up the because Statue of Liberty would definitely be subpar. No, no. There was recently a lady who uh, on the 4th uh, climbed up on a portion of it and was protesting. So they upped security as a result of that, I'm sure. That I, makes sense. Because 9-11 happened a few years ago. It's been a while. Well, well, yeah. You still, you still, you know, prepare for September 11th as a symbolic date of something like that. But I think it was on or near July 4th, a a protest group planned to go to the statue, um, and an individual uh, took it upon themselves to like climb up the statue and um, stay there until police took her down, kind of thing. So they mm-hmm. beefed up security after that. I imagine like Trump Tower gets a lot of like protests as well. Is it Trump Tower in Chicago? Or do they, does he have it one did in New York? There's well. more than one. He is a ton. Oh. oh I I is, it, is his main one in Chicago and then he's got a second one in New York? I don't even know. 
Well, from what I remember from The Apprentice way back in the day, oh, yeah. the, obviously most thing of source, I think he had something in New York already. And then the winner of The First Apprentice got to manage the whole, like, the new new one in Chicago. Ah, okay. So I think New York came first and is the big one. Gotcha. I know when he first started his presidency, there were a great number of protests and other things that happened on the towers. They beefed up security a lot, but it's been uh, a number of months, probably more than six since I've last read or he- heard about something uh, related to the towers. Now that doesn't mean it's not happening, but it's no longer appearing to make. It's not uh, the popular thing news. to do. Not making waves. It's more of what he did in Russia that's making more popular now. So that's the thing. Like, I guess I I'm not fully educated on that, but it's one of those things where it seems like it's a lot of like hearsay. Was the whole conversation recorded? Because I mean, that would be interesting to listen to and like get it straight from the source. But it sounds like a lot nope. of the stuff people are saying is like, oh, he said this and this mm-hmm. happened and this happened. I'm like, where's your proof or like what? I guess I'm not sure yeah, what the, the sources are. A lot of it is shady and i think that's why it's such a big deal is that you know there's two powerful leaders in the world that are meeting with nobody hearing and there's absolutely no you know there is nobody that can verify right everyone it's like oh they're buddy buddy with each other yeah they're not gonna be hostile in front of each other and you know in a professional leader of country meeting like they're not you know they're gonna act civil i'm sure I feel like if this was like Cold War or back in the day of the really good spies, that they would have it like bugged. Like some, they'd have it recording that room, but I doubt they had that. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. sure I'm sure it was recorded. If it because wasn't it in Russia? Somebody Russia definitely recorded it. Yeah, There's like no it's way. it's recorded. There's no way it wasn't. Does the does the U.S. have a tape though? That's. Oh, I'm I'm sure. I, I would be very surprised if both leaders weren't bugged, like you know, intentionally themselves to record the conversations. Oh, I, you'd have to. Yeah. No, yeah. there's just so much like it seems shady. And I think that's why it's so bad. It's like if something is as shady as it appears, like it probably is. Like if that Nigerian prince is like, I'll give you money if you just wire me over some. Seems shady. Most likely is. Your computer is a source of a huge virus. Just go into your command prompt and hit this program and we'll help you take care of it. <laughs> sure. Sure, we can trust that. Just like we can trust secret meetings with uh with Russia. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> one so one thing uh I wanted to hit up was robots serving food. So uh this is kind of a off topic, but um it's it seems like I forgot where I saw recently, but like there's like vending machines now. Like obviously we've always had vending machines serving food, but there's like vending machines that literally like make a pizza for you like on the spot. And that, you know, like there's, there's been more and more popular, the coffee vending machines. And now McDonald's is having a lot more of those, uh, uh, you order yourself, uh, things. Like when I was in, uh, Nina with my, with my, uh, previous position in my comp in the company I'm working for, uh, the McDonald's there actually one day when they had them installed was literally like pushing everybody to the kiosk things saying, oh, the registers are closed. You have to use the kiosk, trying to force people to use the kiosk. And it's like, how, how do we feel about this? Like robots, number one, making food for us instead of having like, you know, a human chef. Because in, in some ways, food is kind of like an art. And then also like taking orders instead of having that human interface with somebody. Number one, you know it's going to be correct or at least the order will be correct. But then number two, you don't get that human interface. If, uh, if the- I may, gentlemen, if, if I may, I, I do respect your comment that food uh, can be an art but I'd like to provide a little perspective here. If you are after the art of food, you're not eating at McDonald's. <laughs> um, that, that being said, um, not to take away um, you know, anything from the people who work at McDonald's, it's a great place to start a career, to, to get some experience. And for those who uh, aren't able or you know, driven to pursue more. It, it can be a, a, a lifelong career if it's something you want to pursue. I don't want to try and, you know, insult or not, you know, knock people who, who find themselves in, in that kind of a situation uh, or, or enjoy, you know, that kind of a life. But um, M- McDonald's is not gourmet food. It is not uh, specially prepared for you. It is as, as fast and as, as efficiently as possible, 
how can we produce a, a product that we know will be bought? Uh, it's a simple recipe. There's no changing of how it goes. You don't ask for your Big Mac well done or medium rare. You just ask for a Big Mac. So um, with, with that understanding, I, I have no problem with these mainstream organizations uh, for fast food uh, having machines cook it, frankly. Um, given some of the people who work uh, in those situations, I'd, I'd rather have a machine make it. Now, um, <laughs> I would hope there are tests and other situations, but if I'm choosing between a machine that can monitor the food appropriately, make sure the proportions are right, and make sure I get a polished product every single, you know, 99.999% of the time, I'll take the odds on that over Hank over there, who has been smoking cigarettes and or Damn weed Hank. and is high on If I may. Now, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're targeting me. If I may. Hank has not done anything to you, Nick. So yeah, back what's off, wrong with uh, weed? Hank. Until he spit in my burger. Oh, okay. Good point. Mm-hmm. Well, Hank's a jerk. Okay. But I, 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 I went backwards, though. If, if I'll wrap up real quick and let you guys put your two cents in. But I, I did take a lot of time to, to make sure I, I, I tried not to insult the employees and I came back with that. So I do apologize if you work <laughs> Especially you. Hank. Um, just you know, Hank. I don't mind the other people. Just Hank. That exists for a reason. Um, that's, it's not fair to assume that you are one or the other. I, I don't hold that stereotype, but I know it exists. So I'm referencing the stereotype that does exist, not necessarily that I, I truly believe everyone's doing something like that. Otherwise, I'd never eat there. Not that I do horribly often, but <laughs> I digress. You may jump in. The, the worst so servers. I've... Sorry, real quick. The worst servers in the world are the corn dog servers at Six Flags Great America. Oh my God, we were in line for literally an hour to get a damn corn dog, some some pretz, some crisscross cut fries, and two ketchup packets. Oh, sorry, go rough. ahead, Brent. No, so I've I've actually been at the uh, at McDonald's around in like airports and other places where, um, actually one right outside of Denver, um, oddly enough, but there's um where they have the kiosk where you can order from it, and. I think it depends. Um, it seems like if you have a complicated order or you want to switch things around or you have ordering a lot of stuff, it's actually easier just to go to the person because instead of you having to try and find everything on the menu and doing all that kind of stuff, someone who literally is trained in how to do it and does this all day can just put it in really fast. Um, but the few times I have ordered and it's been simple enough, it's kind of nice to be able to put in exactly what you want and I have to worry about people people mishearing you or things like that and honestly like based off of my experiences at like Walmart and this place with self-checkouts even the grocery store if, if it's if the machine's working well it's in good order and it's being accurate like it's kind of nice to be able to just get in do what you gotta do and get out I, think- I mean people are on Amazon already ordering stuff online like how is it different if you just do it at the store and pick it up right away instead of waiting for it to get to mail if I may, I think that's something with technology in general. And I forgot some famous person said something about technology. I think it was actually Steve Jobs. Like technology has to be an extension of you. It can't get in the way of you trying to accomplish your task. It's got to make your task easier. So yeah, where you have like the self-checkouts, if you can just run up, put in, you know, check out your stuff, add cash, add credit card, whatever you want. Good to go. Check out. You're out. Perfect. If you get up there and all of a sudden you're like, it's not working, then then it's a hindrance. Then that technology is a bad technology. I think it's similar with the McDonald's thing. I found that same thing, Brent. Like for me, I, in general, I like my burger or my cheeseburgers like plain, just, you know, cheeseburger only ketchup. And in order to do that on the damn kiosk, you have to like add the burger to your cart, customize the burger, remove everything, and then add ketchup back on. So it's like, okay, that's silly. One thing I found that was the way to go, that seems to be the way to go is actually the McDonald's app is you can basically like, I have my like standard order pre-programmed. So I can literally just like, whenever I get into the McDonald's hit send, and then it automatically sends my like preset order to them. And then it just, it'll, then those call out the number whenever it's ready. So that's kind of cool. That's definitely the way to go for McDonald's. If And I, McDonald's. I think that's kind of shows the point really well. If the technology makes it simpler, we can just go do it a little quicker, save yourself some hassle that works like ordering on the app they've had that part figured out the kiosk i think just takes too long because we're not trained in how to look through all the different like i want a chicken and then i want it to be this kind of chicken and then i don't want pickles and that's 
you know, if you're trying to order like that in person, I think that's the experience isn't as good if it takes longer than what it would be to actually talk to a person. Well, it seems but like if the, it's quicker, it's good. Yeah, I think the kiosks in general are a smidge underpowered. Like they just seem a little laggy from like just like a standard like tablet or a phone. Like my phone's a faster moving, you know, navigating around than this kiosk. And the kiosk is designed to do one thing and one thing only. So that's a little weird where it's like, it just seems a bit laggy. Sorry, Nick, you were going to say something? Yeah, I'm sure it's just for cost efficiency. Like you have to produce how many kiosks if you're McDonald's and you're ultimately replacing workers with this technology, but it's still a cost benefit equation. You can make it, uh, you know, 15 to 50% faster, but it's going to cost you an additional $600 unless you need to do it, which you don't because I would guess most McDonald's customers are a little bit slower um, with respect to technology. I would say you and your understanding of technology are an exception to the majority of consumers. Um, just just my speculation on that. The other the other thing I wanted to discuss or, or bring you? up was... You're, you're um, an engineer. That's the only reason. <laughs> Well, yeah, you're you're an engineer who works with technology. Like, I <laughs> I, d- I doubt nuclear physicists are you know using <laughs> at McDonald's more often than um you know all the hillbillies who who love to eat at McDonald's. So I'm, I'm saying of the majority mm, of the population that loves McDonald's, you are probably on the very high end. Um, so you're welcome. Um, at any rate, uh, the point I wanted to make is as someone who kind of prides themselves on on communication. Now, that doesn't mean I, I don't miscommunicate or uh, make all kinds of errors left and right because that's life. Um, but I, I have a certain understanding of, of the different styles and, and methodologies of of communication. It's it's fun for me to think about a kiosk like that where you are replacing a human interaction where someone's smiling scowling frowning uh you know any number of scenarios at you and how that um how that communication works compared to what can a screen provide and where do your eyes need to be drawn and how are they drawn there um having having that um understanding of of the communication and how it's difficult for someone who wants an order like you kyle where you're saying i just want a cheeseburger with ketchup only and how do you get to that point and how do you how do you design a system that flows through it logically for the majority of people and all the testing related to okay well what if we have this flow does this work well no because people get frustrated because they don't understand that when this is supposed to be happening okay well what if we put that earlier in the process and make it more clear and then we reorganize some of these other parts and i I really enjoy that aspect of communication and and the life application that i had recently was uh, my fiance was uh, asking about a vacuum cleaner that we have she doesn't use it very often but i don't hold that against her um (laughs) at any rate we have this vacuum it's very nice it's a dyson and uh dyson's work very well Uh, i'm not sure if you guys are aware but um the thing about this Dyson is it's like a lot of other vacuum cleaners that can transition to do a number of things. And the communication that Dyson has built into their vacuum cleaner is is ridiculous if you if you take the time to think about it, if you take the time to look at it. It's a simple gray vacuum cleaner. And they have other color schemes that I know follow the same communication style. It's a gray vacuum cleaner with yellow colors on it. Uh, I think the one that I was looking at that's for animals specifically is a, is a nice purple color as opposed to yellow. Um, but what they do is every part that moves, every part that transitions in some way, shape, or form is the color yellow. Everything else is a, a, a simple gray that makes it rather inconspicuous. So when you're looking to see the parts that adjust, you just have to look for the color. You look for the color yellow, and you know that that does something. And if you're intuitive enough to figure things out without reading the directions, you can figure out very clearly, okay, this obviously does something. Does it get pushed in? Does it get pulled out? Does it shift to the side? What does it do? Um, so it's it's very intuitive and, and, and a really well-thought-out style of communication. All the moving parts are, are one color. You can very clearly identify what's supposed to move and what's not supposed to. We bought a, a new ladder that's, that's pretty fancy. Um, it's kind of an extension ladder, kind of an indoor. It folds up. It, it does all kinds of different positions. Uh, has the same kind of scheme where everything is a silvery gray metallic color, but then anything that's black uh, is is very clearly labeled, number one, with how to use it, um, but it has a color scheme that flows through. So 
when you have a McDonald's kiosk that's that's built to communicate with the customers and you're trying to figure out how the majority of people's brains will process ordering a burger and fries or ordering whatever it may be, what's the order that they normally go in? And of course they have enough experience so, that they're trying to, so to if I may. process flow. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I feel like what you're alluding to almost is that like a lot of people, it's like if it's a kindergarten skills, those, those, uh, the colors, the different colors, I mean, they move or something. I feel like that's a skill or something that you could, like a kindergarten, you could pick that up in kindergarten, like, oh, a different color block. I'm going to do that as part so of the So the puzzle. thing you guys are talking about is called industrial design. Good products don't need a manual. Bad products are confusing and need a manual. Uh, easy thing is doors. How many times have you gone up to a door, tried to open it and be like, God, ugh, wrong side of the door. That's a badly designed door. There shouldn't be any confusion as whether you need to push or pull and which side to push on. The Like the doors with handles that you turn the handle, those are typically good doors because you know exactly which side you need to push and pull on. And in general, a lot of times maybe the outside handle is slightly different than the inside handle or the inside is just a push and the outside is the twist. Uh, so th there are uh, like industrial design is huge in everyday objects like uh, the iPhone. When the iPhone first came, to, came out, nobody had really used a touchscreen phone before but they didn't really need a manual for it you, you boot the thing on and everything's very intuitive as far as what does what a good example of a terrible one is like the graphing calculator if you look at a graphing calculator sure you got your numbers there and your plus minus and whatnot but then you have all these other buttons and they all typically have like a second function and a third function they have to like second command and third and you know alpha command it's a terrible de designed UI. It, it, I mean, I've got to give props though to the person or people that figure out how to use that graphing calculator. I remember, I think you uploaded a bunch of games in high school onto my graphing calculator. Had no clue how you did it, um, but I could somehow figure out how to get to them. And it's amazing what it could actually accomplish when you figure out the right combination of buttons or whatever. Now, now when you say what it can accomplished do you mean playing games or engineering and science that occurs behind it no no oh, definitely playing playing doom sure. on your calculator is the way to go or snood yeah. snood was good, That's yeah, a good I'll, one. I'll slight nerd out if, yes I, if I, I may go ahead <laughs> if you're unlocking the true potential of this graphic i got a little bit more calculator talk so nick go ahead but i got more calculator no talk. you squeeze squeeze in your calculator talk go ahead okay yeah number one putting games on your calculator is actually pretty easy uh, just Google it, uh, and you may need the the cord. But number two, I also knew how to like program my calculator and write my own programs. I figured that out on my own by reading the manual, and uh, I was able to number one make my own kind of like RPG kind of game on the calculator. And then number two, if you go into the program section of your calculator, you can take notes inside a quote unquote program, and then just have your calculator with you on a test, and then just go into your programs, and then you have all your notes. I literally had a college professor tell us that and say, if you don't know what I'm talking about, find somebody who does because it's very useful. <laughs> but like literally on my I, graphing uh, calculator, I still have notes for like differential equations and calc one, two, and three, like in my calculator. You could even put instructions on how to use your calculator to get the solution for certain types of problems. Yeah, I remember doing that. Very good pro tip. Okay, done with calculator talk. <laughs> okay. So uh, the the original you know path I was going down uh, is is in reference to my my personal um, thoughts on on my career and you have this uh, engineering style or communication style that you yes uh, it, it can be as simple as a kindergartner um, following the basic pattern but then you'll get um, adults who who don't process it or don't figure it out and aren't thinking on that wavelength. Um, and how do you more effectively communicate with those individuals? And that's that's a lot of what I I do, uh, not with the engineering aspect, but trying to understand and communicate uh, with with people who who are used to seeing something one way or dealing with something one way. And I need to show them or and or find a a more efficient path forward. Um, the position I am leaving uh, very shortly, um, I came in and there were individuals who, of course, uh, the favorite line I have is, oh, we've done it this way the entire time I've been here. I've been here 15 years. We've always done it this way. We've, we've always received this file. If you always and, and do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got, 
or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do I do that dangerous new age thing where I start asking questions and it's like, okay, so you get this report and that makes sense, but what do you actually need off of that report? Oh, well, we just grabbed the total down here. So do you ever like go into the detail? No, no, we just, we just take the total. Well, I even have the report. Okay. So, so you start asking questions, you you follow, you follow the path of, of what they're thinking And, and McDonald's would obviously have done this before they rolled out their kiosks, but you would you would basically have a, a group of test customers come through and and order their food, no big deal. And you you observe what they're doing, and you try and follow their thought process, and you you play games essentially. And I'm sure it's more systematic than than gaming, but you you try different approaches of of ordering the burger. How do you like to start? Do you like to see the full menu, like with the the meals? Is is the meal an option you put on after the fact? Um, but with my career, it's 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 looking at how people process the data, how they manage the information. And then once you understand how things are done today, you you look into opportunities for improvement. Okay, you feel like you should order the burger first, then the fries, then the drink. Well, what if we just put the combo meal as like a, a quick a quick hit option list? Um, otherwise, you can hit a custom and then go to your order that way. And maybe that works for 90% of the people, but because you only want ketchup on your burger, you have to go through the custom. So, you know, 80% this works for 20%. It's a little bit slower, but you know, playing those games and understanding that—that's that's what I get excited about. Like not McDonald's. I, I gotta say, but... say, Nick. I gotta say, I don't think I've ever heard anyone like compare their career and what they do to a McDonald's register before. So. Congrats. It's it's a little more complicated than that, but the the train of thought of trying to take a process as it is today, understand it, manipulate it, and make it more efficient and automate it. If I do my job well, I come in and I have a workload of 1.5 to 2 FTEs, meaning it would take more than myself to do all the work. Um, that's what most companies have most positions at. They expect their employees to, um, you know, provide more work than one person should. Uh, if I do my job well, by the time I'm done, I, I'm working about a 0.5 of an FTE. I, I am, I am sitting there. I have a lots of extra time to research and, uh, you know, continue to find other efficiencies and help out with other areas and lead projects, uh, because most organizations have. Um, you know, horrible inefficiencies in their position. And I, I'm really good at finding those, which is why I'm transitioning to a more of a consulting role with respect to coming in and understanding of business processes and helping them figure out better solutions. So, so that's- when, I, when I think of what you're saying, um, a kind of a role I've always heard about being like looking at the inefficiencies is the Disney Imagineer. And I know, um, I think my mom said for Kyle, like, oh, you'd be a great Imagineer. Like, that's what you should do. And it sounds like, Nick, maybe you should be an Imagineer too. <laughs> so, yeah, one of my dream jobs. So I always told people, especially when I was in like the career fairs and stuff, I'd be like, my dream job is to be an astronaut. After that, I'll be an Imagineer. And then behind that, somebody who uh, can take somebody's idea or a, a company's idea and have them come to me and then I have to f- try to figure out a solution and I, in an ideal world for me. Uh, eventually I own my own business where I do essentially like, uh, uh, not uh, think tanks, the wrong word, but like a uh, engineering consultant firm or like a contract engineering mini firm of some sort. But, uh, yeah, basically what we're, we're talking about here is what engineers call in general, pokey yoking. Uh, it's basically making sure oh, things I- only it's called, yep. It's called pokey yoke. It's actually very uh, needed. If, if I may, it's related very to scientific. Pokemon. No, nope, no Pokemon involved. So I don't know. But exactly Professor Oak was part of the Pokemon universe. Pokeyoki. <laughs> Pokey. Okay, sorry. I'll, I'll stop. But Pokeyoki, I don't. I don't know what it stands for. But it's basically make sure the square peg can't go in the round hole. Uh, you want to make sure that when you're designing something, there's only one way to assemble it or use it or put it together. Uh, like your car, if you're driving down the highway and try to turn your keys to the off position, I I wouldn't recommend trying it, but it's not going to let you, or it's going to, I know I saw, cause I was curious about this. I, I Googled it and YouTubed it and a guy, even with the push button, he pushed it once and it's like pushing again, will initiate an emergency shutoff of your engine. Your steering wheel will lock, like your steering wheel will lock up, like know what's going to be happening. 
and then you have to like confirm and hit it again. So like there's an, and you have to like hold it for a certain period of time. But poke yoking in general is the same kind of thing. Is there a wrong way to do it? Like for the Apple iPhone, if without that one single like especially the original without that one single button on the bottom, people would have constantly likely and I'm sure they still do grab the thing the wrong way. I know I do that all the time with my phone, and that's actually like if you get to those phones that have zero bezel. What are you gonna do? You're gonna be all confuzzled on which way your phone goes. I guess it <laughs> would would it matter with an accelerometer? I suppose you could have your phone flip either direction. It wouldn't really matter. But it's one of those things where you always want to make sure stuff is as easier as easy for the user as possible. And with engineering, pokeyoking's mainly used in assembly. So when somebody's putting the thing together, your your next big doohickey that they can't put the battery in the wrong way or they can't. Uh, put the bracket on upside down and all of a sudden it's not lining up with the next part it goes into. So, so if I may, if I may, I have a relevant example of this um, and something that engineers should look into Um, at our work. We have walkie talkies to communicate with each other and they need the batteries charged um, all the time. Like, Like every night you recharge your batteries and I would take the chargers. And one thing to do is instead of just putting them in a little bucket, that's like, please put these in. I would try and put them in, but I could never get a charge. And I kept thinking the batteries I was putting in were broken. So I ended up just putting them into the empty bucket instead of putting them in their large charger spots. So I found out three weeks into the job that I had been putting them in with the wrong side facing. And if I just flipped it around, it worked perfectly. So it was just one of those things where it was just. Oh, you like, had one well, of the uh, charge, like the I, charging stations that also could charge the battery packs as well as the full walkie talkie. I think so because I like I'd put it in with the plus side going down, but I supposed to have the plus side going up, and it wasn't really clear. It wasn't labeled on there. It wasn't like it just. If, I kept thinking I, that the batteries were broken. And I was sounds like, like oh. a classic case of user error. Yeah, uh, for sure. Pokey, in which, in which if I may, Oki, hold on, if I may, that. if I may, gentlemen, the general rule of thumb here is you must be one percent smarter than the object you are attempting to affect. Yeah, right. That's that's the classic when you can't get something to work. It's like, oh, I got to be smarter than the pinball machine or whatever. Like something's not working here. Obviously, it's me. Well, at (laughs) the end of the day, at the end of the day, you don't want to be thinking about how this thing works. You want to just be able to put it right in and not have to worry about it. Which yeah, I, and I have I have many situations in in my life where yeah, you can clearly tell that kind of quality engineering uh, was was not applied to what I had bought or what I was using. Um, same situations, maybe not as uh, sorry simplistic as a battery being upside down, but um, you know, you trying to build something that's assemble at home, and yeah, you've got all these parts Plastic and these brackets, camera. like they look like they line up and they definitely do line up, but they're not supposed to go together or they're supposed to be something in the middle and it's not clear at all. Yeah. Um, that kind of quality engineering is, is fantastic when, when implemented, of course. Um, but it's not implemented enough, certainly. Um, and that's where, um, you know, you can be, it sounds like you're pretty passionate about, you know, consulting and that kind of quality engineering. And I can say that, um, you know, it's not engineering that I'm passionate about, but the process improvement and looking at how businesses run to, to make them as efficient as possible. I mean, when you have a, a staff of, you know, 200 trying to do everything and I can come in and understand your processes and knock it down from 200 to 25, um, you know, that's a huge cost savings on, on so many levels. Um, and you have organizations. So I mean, many not- poor people with no more jobs. So off of so Nick's point starving children yeah one of the things in New York that I did is I, I worked on one of the the train station uh not train station uh train yards and uh let me tell you okay so number one the train train rail station jobs in general at least in New York I'd assume it's pretty much across the world are highly sought off sought after in the area uh they pay apparently pretty well and they also do not require you to do much actual work it seems uh, I was warned about this, like literally because they're unionized. They'll literally be like, oh, you need this cabinet opened. We need the cabinet opening guy. Oh, you want. Oh, no, you want to get in the electrical box. We need the electrical box opening guy. Like and you have to go find that guy. But uh, I, I, the train station in general, I, like, I don't want to say too much, but apparently we were at one of the best warehouses uh, or work yards. And the guys that we worked with were awesome. It's pretty much, and I, I would definitely not put it on them. They were definitely like ready to go. And wherever they were told to do something, it was 
you know, yep, let's get her done. You know, send it. We, we, we got this. But uh, the uh, management chain in general, it seems, for the uh, train yards is uh, very inefficient. There's definitely only half the people there were really physically doing something. And you can tell they were all bored out of their skulls wanting to do something. Yeah, that makes me that makes me sad. Um, now, granted, I'm I'm an incredibly driven individual. Like, I don't do complacency. It's there's always something more I can be doing. But that's who I am, and I've worked with a lot of people who are are not in that category, who are very comfortable doing what they're told, doing it the way they've always done it, that kind of stuff. And they're actually very difficult to to change. But um, especially in like the not for profit uh, realm, I, I dabbled in there briefly, and um, wow. You talk about some unmotivated people. It's it's uh, it was disappointing, frankly. But uh, life goes on. Um, other other comments on on this train of thought, or can I jump into uh, another business related comment or you know topic I had for the day? I go for it. Yeah, I think go we're good for it. For it. Okay. So, uh, continuing with my my business theme, which is you know something I'm very passionate about, and Kyle and I have a lot of uh, things in common with respect to how we look at our careers and look at uh, what we want to accomplish. Um, one of the things I was doing recently was updating my LinkedIn. Uh, and Brent, I know you were looking to learn a lot about uh, LinkedIn, and, and this is a kind of a standard procedure I have whenever I leave a position. Um, and you could do it before you leave a position if you wanted to, but I tend not to try and uh, edit my LinkedIn profile while I'm with an employer because it's probably from you know, the pond. It looks it looks like I'm preparing to leave or I'm juicing up my profile to try and get more attention or something like that. But in this case, I already have another job lined up and I'm leaving, so uh, no big deal. But uh, one of the things I like to do uh, as I'm leaving a position is I will look up the original job post of that position that I applied to and ultimately got. And I will reference that as I'm describing the position I'm leaving. When I'm in a position, um, I'm starting a new position, I just say I'm in that position and I don't have any description because I'm performing the work. I'm learning about it. I'm doing it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it after the fact. Uh, but for when that's all said and done, you're leaving a position, um, you want to go back and say, okay, well, what did according to the job post and and the key is is the language in the job post because uh, linkedin is a recruiting tool uh, it's it's a social network certainly or professional social network however you want to word that um, but beyond that it's a, it's a recruiting tool and to understand the language that recruiting individuals use is absolutely essential to be as effective as possible so what I did is I, I pulled the, the job posting that I responded to that listed, here's what we want you to do. And I take that and I change some of the verbiage to, uh, we need you to perform this to, hey, I performed this. I, I, and we need you to manage these reports. I managed these reports. And I, I take those sentences <laughs> and, and those, those data points and I put those in my profile. And now that does right a couple onto things. your cover page of your, or you put it right into your resume as well. Exactly. So you, you, you put that, well, your, your, not your actual resume because it'd be too long, but your, your LinkedIn is, has a little extra space for you to put that kind of stuff in. But the key there is, is one, you're updating your profile and two, you're putting in the verbiage that a recruiter would look for because a recruiter who's looking to, you know, find someone to manage their accounts receivable is going to look at, you know, find me someone who managed accounts receivable. Work well, on my own to manage if you take, accounts. Yeah, if you take the job post and just change some of the verbiage, you're going to get far more hits than if you were to try and come up with your own terminology, even if it's industry specific. I, as an accountant, can say certain things that I know are huge buzzwords, but when I can peek into the recruiter's mind and the, um, you know, their, their, terminology their language this is what they post this is verbatim what they're looking for i mean this is this is cheating on the test as far as being <laughs> you know looked up and sought after um so so that that's kind of my my pro tip and, and something i did recently was update my my linkedin to reference my my prior material and all i did was was copy and pasted and changed some of the verbiage for three or four lines and then i also of course added my my own little flair so it's not just you know copy paste move on uh, it, it was okay yep i did that yep i did that that one doesn't really sound impressive or relevant. doesn't have any keywords in it. I'll skip over that. Okay, this one looks nice. I did that. Yep. 
And then what did I do beyond the position? You know, I wasn't asked to revamp all the processes. So um, let me, just for giggles, if you guys don't mind waiting, I'm going to look oh, up no. one of the things I said. Because I, I, again, copy the verbiage, and then I also add in uh, little nuances. And one of the things I, I threw in there is, um, you know, this isn't something I was asked to do. This wasn't in the job post, but I redesigned and optimized internal processes that manage data flow from business partners to ensure accurate and timely submission of monthly billings. Now, that's not on their posting, but it's a really nice way of saying, you know, I went Sounds in passive. and analyzed the process, turned it around, and made it my own. So I'm taking, you know, cheating on the and test and pulling over it. the same information, and then I'm adding my own, you know, hey, above and beyond the job post that was provided, I also did some of this. So, um, you know, that's that's, that's one approach really if you're not doing that. Right. I like that. So wrapping it up here. Okay. Wrapping it up here, one thing I wanted to ask you guys is if you could make a golden rule that for just one day everybody has to follow this rule, what would that rule be? Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter what the rule is. You can say everybody must give me ten dollars. You know, whatever that rule is, you gotta make a rule that for one day everybody has to follow that rule. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that come to mind. If I may, I'll, I'll jump in here and I'll, I'll do, I'll provide two. Um, if I were trying to, to better the world, um, and I forget if how this connects with Google. I don't know if this was an unwritten rule or an official rule. Like they, they try not to, and I'm going to swear here. So a uh, sensor alert, uh, nothing too horrible, but still a swear word. So I apologize in advance. But <laughs> one of the rules, I, I at least, I don't know if it was written or unwritten, but one of the rules about working at Google is, is you're not allowed to be an asshole. They, they don't hire I assholes. Remember that's out um, of their clause now. I read something that that dropped, continue though. It dropped out okay, of their so, clause. Oh, that sucks. Well, at any at any rate, uh, I think that's a great rule. That would be something that would help the world out uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, all the fighting over this and that and the posturing. Um, yeah, just rule for rule for the day would be no one can be an asshole today. Um, now, if I were trying to be less helpful and I were to pick a rule, I'd probably go with a classic drinking game rule where. Um, nice. You have to say something stupid before you, uh, and I had I had one that I won't say here, but um, you have to say something ridiculous before you say anything. I was thinking um, about something so, similar. Is uh, for the one day, my funny one would be like everybody has to go, "Hey, so and so, are you are you there? Are you there?" And then after they're done talking, be like, uh, "Over." But whenever yeah, they start talking, they have to end, start and end with lines. that. So annoying. So annoying. I use, I use my swear word for the Google situation, but that I, if you're going to be ridiculous, I would go with that one. If you're trying to help the world, uh, no assholes. Man, I would have to go just to make my life easier, like no pushing um, because you can say <laughs> that rule and they never listen and it just always causes issues. It's just like, keep your hands to yourself. Don't push. Brent, I'm surprised you. This if, rule, I'm surprised you had to follow it. If I may, what what percentage of the population is that going to help? It's going to help him with his kids. My population. What percentage of the population is that going to impact on that given day? Uh, hopefully enough to. What just, if it's like, an emergency situation, out. Brent? What if it's like, oh no, there's a train coming and you have to push the guy out of the way? Nope, can't push today. Sorry, bud. I never said uh, it was a one. one would also I never said I was going to use a very self option. Yeah, you, you could pull. pull. Sometimes pulling, ever gets no pushing doors open. You can only pull doors. That's fine. I guess you got to be careful Just with your rule. Does think that mean fine. there's no, no ties in blackjack? other people <laughs> in a negative way. Does that yeah. mean there's no ties in blackjack yep, no pushing. you can't push? Yep, no pushing. No pushing people in a negative way. Another, another thing that would be funny is just to make everybody have to say please and thank you whenever it would be would would be relevant or like thank you sir like thank you ma'am appreciate it like forcing people to do that I can just see somebody being like super upset and then ha like they just have to say it at the end so it's like oh you I hate you, you thank you <laughs> <laughs> could you please, please stop being a jerk to me thank you like but they're like super gangster or something and angry that would make the world a better place too right we're we're well or at least we intend to be uh, all right so that was episode 10 of if i may hope everybody enjoyed this episode is actually sponsored by moms thank you moms uh mommy kyle Please. mommy brent mommy nick 
Thank, thank you. Thank you to moms. <laughs> it's not even Mother's Day. No, nope, right. no. It's just episode 10, special sponsor. I swore on the moms episode? Yep, you swore. <laughs> Congratulations, Nick. You officially swore oh, God. on the moms. There's also other things we talked about this episode. <laughs> yeah. Skinny dip. But I swore on the moms episode. Kyle, why did you have to be this, the moms episode of any of them? <laughs> it's you episode 10. Any other episode. All right, fine. Yeah, yeah. It's episode 10. Your mom will appreciate it. Thank you. Brent, Thank you. say thank you to your mom. All right, will do. No, no, right now, right. on air. Oh, Thank you, Mom. Um, hopefully, you figured out that we're not on YouTube anymore and that we are actually on Apple iTunes. Because right, my dad asked me like, "Where can we? Where can I? Where can I listen to it?" I'm like, "Dad, literally any podcast source, you'll find us." Nick, you want to say any thank yous to moms? Sorry, I swore. <laughs> All right, that was episode ten. See you guys next time. <laughs>